You know what really makes us mad is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Tell them about punk. What's up, posers? <laughs> Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod, the game where no one wins. I'm your co-host, Justin Hensley. I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And today we are joined yet again by our friend Corey. Corey, how's it going? Hey guys, good. Thanks for having me back again. Yeah, that episode was so fun that we uh, decided to record another one without finding out the reaction to the first one. So <laughs> Almost back to back. So, if people hated that episode, they're gonna hate this one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we Corey's take a nose- ruin our pod. All the episodes of Corey take a nosedive. <laughs> it's my terrible <laughs> reputation. Yeah. Oh, it's such an unpopular figure. <laughs> Divisive. <laughs> Let's see. I didn't write out my intro, so I'm gonna go off the top of the head. You think I'd have this memorized? This is what a 43rd episode. <laughs> this is the show where using the rate your music chart, punk charts, and a number generator, we choose one album and one EP at random to discuss. Hey, that was right. Yeah. Simple uh, enough. Yeah. Hmm. Do we? Does anybody have any? Anything exciting happened this week? Uh, I met some bee scientists this morning. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Scient- so they're, they're like second string? <laughs> yeah. Like they're cheaper? They're like the opener. <laughs> the opener to the big name scientists. See, I went to giant bees in lab coats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, these were two scientists collecting bees in cups. So... <laughs> Neither, just, just cups, not doing anything with them, and then and then painting them in cups, painting them to try and track their behavior. It's kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah, science, science. You know, when the bees die, we all die. <laughs> well, Podcast at a grim turn. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they've proven that to be false, but I don't know. We won't have apples. Yeah. Oh. But How will I that? keep the doctors away? <laughs> I'm gonna get very sickly from not eating apples. <laughs> Is that what's wrong with me? <laughs> Tastes like sand. Okay, <laughs> this is this is a this is a totally separate topic. But um, have you guys ever watched that show, Embarrassing Bodies? Um, no. Okay, you should watch it because <laughs> it's fascinating and and disgusting. And if I we, wanted to see embarrassing want... bodies, I could just look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Take all my clothes off and stand there. 
like <laughs> squeezing my belly. You would fit right into the premise of this show, then. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is an it is just an incredibly graphic, completely uncensored doctor uh, patients bringing embarrassing bodily issues to doctors in the UK, and we started the series. I don't know, sometime within the last two years, and then just stopped watching it, but picked it back up again last night when we had nothing else to watch. And, uh, yeah, oh boy, those those two years, I think I've gotten a little more queasy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just throwing it out there as something to watch if you're bored. So, you is it a gross-out show? Uh, it's, it's like a perfect balance of gross-out and informative. Hmm. Like, if you've, if you've ever had an infected body part, <laughs> chances are someone else on embarrassing bodies has had a similarly infected body part and uh, if you've ever been too embarrassed to go to the doctor you might want to after watching this show <laughs> this is a, doc- uh, a pro doctor PSA I guess <laughs> I don't know that I want to watch your, your infected nasal passages checked out <laughs> oh I guess I should get this oozing uh, wound on my <laughs> arm looked at <laughs> Nah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, the the people who go on this show too. I I don't know how you would get me to ever agree to appear on a show like this. As I said, completely uncensored and some very private concerns. <laughs> yeah, that is strange. That they're willing to go on TV with something like that. Yeah, Money? there has to... just lay it all out there. Oh, it, all, want... it always starts with the doctor saying. Can I take a look? <laughs> <laughs> well, this sounds like a show I would absolutely hate. <laughs> I don't handle gross stuff very well. No. <laughs> Unless it's like fictional, like clearly props or something. <laughs> well, shit. That was a weird way to start the show. <laughs> I just really want to talk about infected butts. <laughs> Uh, disintegrating butts might be more accurate <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> alright well unless Dylan you have something we'll start the show eh, not really let's just move forward alright so for this episode we got the year 1989 and as usual we take a look at the rate your music charts for that year and so right off the bat I say 1989 is a grim year. There are some very strong standout releases in a sea of very forgettable releases. Um, I mean, number one on the chart is like, it's a huge record. Right. It is The Cure's Disintegration. That's probably, that's one of their biggest records. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably, that's the one. I feel like. I, I mean, maybe. I don't That album has Pictures of You and Love Song on it. Like, that's the big singles. Yeah. But I, I don't know. There may be some ones before this one that might actually... Yeah. Well, pornography. Yeah. But... But then it's immediately followed by No Means No. That's a band that shows up all the time on, like, the front page of these years... And I don't get it. Like, I feel like I know what No Means No sounds like, but I don't. 
Well, for some reason, like, none of their albums are on Spotify, which I'm assuming is just some, you know, choice by whoever owns the albums. Probably the band at this point. Yeah. Um, They're not paying us enough. <laughs> <laughs> so they steal it. I don't know. It Just, be- <laughs> just because it's not on Spotify means people are going to go buy the albums more. And <laughs> this sure. is weird. There, I guess this week, Apple announced, like, they're... Getting rid of iTunes, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and replacing it with like three different apps or something along those lines. I was like, okay, it sounds like they're just dividing up because you in iTunes you could buy apps and music and like TV and movies. So to me, it sounds like they're just separating them into three different companies. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely intended as a way to push you towards spending more. Yeah, on other services. Uh, specifically like paying for apple music or whatever mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people who were complaining about like i've been cultivating a digital library for years now and it's like but it's digital you don't actually own it even though you've paid for it because apple could it's like in their terms and conditions that they could just remove it from your library if they ever chose to so to me it i don't know it's strange the only real way to really support a band is to buy their albums and go see them live, like buy physical copies from the bands through their like or through their record labels directly. Or I mean, he, buying digitally through Bandcamp or something like that, right? Like a service that gives more money to the artists directly. Um, which, as far as I know, is pretty much only Bandcamp. <laughs> Bandcamp takes like fifteen percent, which I think is lower than. I think iTunes took like thirty percent. Yeah, I think it was higher. Um, yeah, Bandcamp is like the best place outside of a direct download from the band. Which even then, I feel like there's probably some hosting fees if they did it directly that that way. Or yeah, but just just buy the record. <laughs> I mean, if you if you really want to support the band or buy a T-shirt, you know, there's plenty of ways to really support bands. We got on a weird yeah. tangent, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to terms and conditions. <laughs> How did the this bo- branch off of No Means No? Uh, the fact that their music's not on Spotify. Oh, that's right. right, right. <laughs> um, I don't know. To me, Spotify feels more like a way for people to hear your music where you can at least get fractions of a penny <laughs> instead of nothing. I don't know. Well, yeah, like it. it it's better than paying to get your music on a review site you know like paying a pr person to which you still have to do that too but yeah yeah there's they're not not gonna say that spotify is like perfect it really has a lot of very big issues but the main issue is spotify doesn't pay enough like spotify has money like they have lots of money yeah and they're just not paying people enough but at the same time People will like tend to go after. There's a tendency to blame people who use Spotify more than the companies. Like people were like, oh, "If you really want to support the artist, you know, you go buy it." It's like, but not everyone wants to go run out and spend ten, fifteen, twenty dollars on an album they haven't actually heard yet. Yeah, I mean, I can't afford to buy every single album I might want to listen to once. Right. So I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. Weird tangent, but there's some... Back to the charts. There's 
<laughs> we're, all, at, we're we're recording this kind of early, so <laughs> that might be why we're a little scattered. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've only been awake for two hours, so uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> number three is Repulsion, which you'll remember us talking about on our genocide episode. Hooray! Um, number four is Terrorizer, another grindcore band. Uh, number five. This is probably the most important album on this page. One of, at least. Uh, number five is Operation Ivy's Energy. Were you ever into Op Ivy? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Uh, if they let 16-year-olds get tattoos, I would have <laughs> I would have had the Operation Ivy skanking man on my... I, I think I had it planned for my upper shoulder. <coughs> nice. Yeah. You were going to go big. <laughs> I am just so very glad to get it. Let sixteen-year-olds get tattoos. You would but have you... just a big black bar on your shoulder. <laughs> now, <laughs> I this was also the time I wanted, uh, like stretching across my back, the rancid logo. Just terrible, <laughs> terrible decisions. <laughs> yeah, because you could still have an Operation Ivy tattoo today, and people would be like, hey, "That's kind of cool." That guy must really like Operation Ivy. But you would dance it across your back. Yeah, they'd be like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's a choice. (laughs) Well, Justin wanted, uh, I'm going to call you out. Uh Uh-oh. You wanted to do some uh, big X's on your fists. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) From my former straight edge days. Yeah. Luckily, that never happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm also 32. I don't have any tattoos at this point, so <laughs> I'd like some. I've just never uh, pulled the trigger on getting it done. But so I'm going to get the giant Operation Ivy Man on my shoulder. <laughs> well, and I'm I'll throw my I'll throw myself under the bus. My first tattoo is a poorly thought out home state based <laughs> tattoo. It's the shape of North Carolina. It is not. <laughs> it is not a state outline. I'm going to clarify that. <laughs> but it's, uh, a, it's at least a well done tattoo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a nice tattoo. The color is the yellow. Gets a lot of compliments. Yeah, it's very nice. So, so yes, I, I did have an Operation Ivy phase. I would. They're not a band that I revisit very often. Justin, didn't you and I just talk about this last night or two nights ago? Um, yeah, through yeah through a text message, we were talking about it. Um, I did like Operation Ivy. And I was surprised at that. I know because of my long-standing dislike of Rancid. Yeah, I just I just figured they would go hand in hand. Yeah, I think this is before because uh, Tim Armstrong sings on this record, yes, but not nearly as much as Jesse Michaels does. Yeah. And this is also before Tim Armstrong became a full-blown cartoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like a stereotype of, like a, a, a stick figure drawing of what a ska fan in the 90s is. But <laughs> Have either of you ever seen the video of Tim Armstrong playing Journey to the End of the East Bay while sitting in a tree? No. <laughs> no. That sounds... It's- it's I mean, it's it's recent, but it's I think Billy Bragg introduces him for some reason. It's, <laughs> it's the professionally filmed video, but he's sitting in a tree, and high up in a tree. 
No, I, I remember watching some like live concert documentary tour footage thing that Rancid was involved with. And the like the the one that really sticks out with me the most is uh Tim Armstrong and Iggy Pop singing No Fun. Okay. Like on acoustic guitar. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that. I thought that was kinda neat. And then but then I also remember watching Tim Armstrong run around on stage and only strum the guitar every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this this just it's sounds a technique. like this sounds like uh, Marks in the in the plus column for Tim Armstrong. <laughs> Tim Tim Armstrong um, seems to me Tim Armstrong seems to me like the kind of guy who badly plays the acoustic guitar at parties. <laughs> Just like fucking Tim. But ah, uh, put it Lars, away. Lars Fredrickson once described him in an interview as the Bob Dylan of his generation. Nice. Like the Bob Dylan of punk. <laughs> I, I think he, in the same interview, called him one of the greatest living American songwriters. And I'm not going to argue with Lars Fredrickson. <laughs> well, you will can't disagree with the uh, uh, opinions of uh, Lars Fredrickson. You know, his fashion choices are on point. His, <laughs> all of his... Solo projects are phenomenal, and uh, so the tastemaker of uh, our generation. You will have no disagreement for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually listened to Energy again the other day, and I was like, hey, these songs hold up. Also, I know way more of these songs than I thought I did. Yeah, yeah there's, there's still some really good songs on there. Um, I don't know how much of that is nostalgia, because I don't. I don't or wouldn't want to listen to any other band that sounded like Operation Ivy at this point in my life. But you listen to Rancid. I'm well, but again, nostalgically, I don't listen to new Rancid. Those songs are just they're so imprinted on my brain, especially in Outcome of the Wolves, especially Rancid 2000. You know, those those I found those at a very uh, important time in my life. Yeah. I know you've always said that anytime we ever cover the band Rancid, we have to have you on. So I want to be on that that episode. We definitely need to do that at some point. Um, You're going to need to get to an outcome. Of the wolves. You, you, I don't think you can talk about American punk without talking about an outcome. Of the wolves. I want to go as long as possible without talking about Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, just, uh, I listened to Dookie last week. It was also sick. Hey, here's my punk shame, I guess. I've never listened to the album Dookie. Yeah, that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> I've, I've heard enough name? of it that I'm just like, eh. Enough? What is... You I can fill in the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard all the singles nine billion times, which there were like four or five singles off that record. And they're great singles on their own, but mm -hmm. when you when taken as a whole... The album flows so well. Like, take half an hour and listen to. Never Dookie. heard praise for the sequencing of Dookie. It's critical. Like, it's just like the A side. Actually, CD. I'm a B side guy. Ah. Here's here's my other admittance. I have listened to all of what Insomniac, Nimrod, and Warning. You listen to the entirety of every other record. <laughs> and American after Idiot. After Dookie through American Idiot. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. 
<laughs> oh boy. Those were elementary school and middle school musical choices. So checked out from the library. Yep. <laughs> uh back to the charts. And there's a bunch of other crap on here nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> but number nine is Bad Religion's No Control, which um not really a bad religion fan but that's one of the big records right like um this is the beginning of bad religions like important run right yeah i was never big into bad religion yeah they were a little uh, too cerebral for us (laughs) (laughs) i do remember so i i had a couple bad religion cds like i i I dug 8085 and um i there was a time where i really loved Stranger Than Fiction, which I think, like in their catalog, sits as one of their least popular albums. Yeah, uh, I think it was I think I can't remember if it was their major label debut or not. But no, I I, I mean I haven't listened to it probably in fifteen years. But mm-hmm. I really love that album. And one thing that Greg Graffin, I don't know if he does it elsewhere, but one thing he does on that album is he he's got this line: "Caringosity killed the Kerouac cat," and mm-hmm. I remember being. 16 or 17 and and asking my teacher my english teacher is caringosity a word what does caringosity mean <laughs> and her having to gently tell me i think he's just practicing wordplay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was confused for a minute. i was like what's caringosity <laughs> I, I i couldn't find it in a dictionary <laughs> i tried so what does he mean by that i don't want to parse the meaning of greg graffin lyrics <laughs> uh, doc, dr greg graffin excuse you <laughs> uh no that's what we're doing now this is now a parsing out greg graffin lyrics on the like 20 different bad religion albums that are here okay well for someone who just moments ago said i wasn't that into greg graffin or bad religion uh i have another greg graffin story <laughs> So I was probably around the similar age, maybe 16 or 17. And um, I was at like a big family reunion-ish event. And someone from a family member who married into our family. And then he was married to someone else on that side of the family. So not someone I had ever met before or spent any time with. um, Not uh, directly related to me. But he was the editor of a really big metal magazine. I can't remember what metal magazine it was, but I learned this. And as like a 16 year old who just wanted to punish anyone who would listen to me about (laughs) music all the time, I I just thought he was the right person to ask. "Uh, So have you heard Greg Graffin's new solo record? Because I think it's really good, but I can't find it anywhere. (laughs) And him having to say, uh, no, (laughs) well, no, because I, uh, Edit a metal magazine. Not <laughs> I only listened to Demu Borgir. <laughs> what was it like? One of the big metal magazines? Yeah, for sure. I can't. I just can't remember what it was called. Was it, it like a? It, it, it was. It wasn't. I don't think it was Metal Blade, but it was something like that. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder what it was. It'll come to me. Decibel? No, it wasn't Decibel. Are we both just googling metal? Crying? <laughs> no. Metal Hammer. Um, no. Is that a magazine? Yeah, Metal Hammer is a magazine. Yeah. But well, we've named them all. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have been that big. <laughs> uh, um, next on the charts 
is yeah. <laughs> a big, big one. We spent way too long on a lot of things that we... <laughs> move it along. Some expediency here. Yeah. Uh, it's Start Today by Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah. This... That's one I listen to a lot. That's right. a record... That's probably the one record on this list that I have listened to the most. Yeah, doing a quick rundown of yeah. the list right now, I would have to agree... That's probably the one I listen to the most. Yeah, um, yeah. Start today. Start today rules. Like the two Gorilla Biscuits LPs are phenomenal. I'm actually surprised it's not higher than number ten. To be honest, I don't know why people would rate the Mekons or Cardiacs higher than this record. <laughs> because our punk. Who is? Uh, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt and redirect again, but I just remembered it was Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles. Which is it's a still a magazine. It's still it's been going on since the mid nineties. It's now rebranded as of two thousand eight as Brave Words, but Brave Words hmm. and Black Knuckles at one point was a large ish Canadian metal magazine. Oh Canadian. <laughs> That's why we've never heard of it. There you go. Back to the charts. So it's all about Rush, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Not even a metal band. <laughs> the guess who? <laughs> metal means something different up here you guys <laughs> it's a lot of neil young neil young he's canadian i guess uh so uh, looking at the rest of this first page it's real weird all roy's revenge <laughs> that's one of the best albums of, <laughs> of 1989 Ooh, there's what is there's a judge record on here bringing it down that was a big deal i'm not a judge fan but i'm aware that they're an important band same goes for crow mags what else they're sick of it all wow this is a strange list i mean there's a naked ray gun record yeah that uh, one's not that great though yeah but then you go to the second page and it it gets like weaker like it Weirdly, the Ramon's Brain Drain is on the second page, and I would put that on the first page compared to the, some of those other records. Yeah, though that's not a very good Ramon's record, in no. fairness. Yeah, I mean, even on the second page, it seems like it's a lot of weaker releases by bands that are often front-page bands like Swans or Bad Brains or The Hated or... Uh, uh, the Offspring's first album is on this page, and I don't know that I've ever even heard that album. It's just self-titled offspring and like i would i would wager that that psychedelic furs record and that Lemonheads record are good but they aren't records by either of those bands that i have listened to um they're not ones that are talked about so the yeah. placement kind of makes sense here there's more than one session album on this there's doom's double peel session two complete sessions and on the page before there was a bbc session from from uh Bauhaus. So it's like I think eighty nine was a bad year for punk. Like there's definitely good records, but there's well, not a lot of them. I have a thought related to that that ties into both of our releases for this episode. So Do we want to go ahead and start talking about our first record? Let's do sure. it. Cool. So we got number one oh four on the album charts and it is Shudder to Think and their album Curses, spells, voodoos, mooses. 
It's just voodoo. Voodoo's? You keep saying voodoo's. I must have <laughs> typed an S in there and then <laughs> never erased it from then on. Like the album cover has the, the largest word is voodoo. <laughs> I think it's because it's curses, spells, and mooses. So my brain automatically wants to say voodoo's, even though that's not a word. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your theory then? What's what's the you say? Well, do you want to cover the basics? Sure, sure. This yeah. is Shudder to Think. We're from Washington D.C. This record was released on Samich Records, which we previously discussed on our Swizz episode. Samich is the label owned by Amanda Mackay, uh, sister of Ian Mackay. Distributed and, by Discord. Right. And even Ian would later uh, take Shudder to Think and put them on Discord for three albums. And then Discord, or then Shudder to Think became famous for being one of two Discord bands to ever sign to a major label. It was Shudder to Think and Jawbox. And to me, it's real, real weird that Shudder to Think was one of the bands that got a major label signing. Personnel. I actually don't think it's that weird, but hmm. we'll get into it. Yeah, personnel, real quick. Uh, quick, Quig. Uh, <laughs> Craig Wedren on vocals, Chris Matthews on guitar, Stuart Hill on bass, and Mike Russell on drums. And the record was produced by Eric Lagdameo and engineered by Dan Ziantara at Inner Ear Studios, which is super famous for a million other Discord records. And yeah. uh, Craig, Craig would later have a solo career and get into doing soundtrack work, uh, most notably uh, Wet Hot American Summer and uh, that movie Role Models with uh, Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott. He did those movies because he went to high school with David Wayne from... Uh, the state and Stella and you know those movies I just mentioned he directed so so that that's how uh, he got into soundtrack work which also the band itself did soundtracks at the very end of their career so that I guess it kind of yeah. makes sense but so okay that's the basics out of the way what uh, okay <laughs> explain yourself <laughs> okay which part um okay well let's talk about the weird like them you don't think it's that weird that they got signed to a major label no hmm. because they got signed to a major label in the 90s mm-hmm. in a post grunge reaction uh in which the major labels were starting were trying to find anything that was not typically mainstream sounding um so it makes sense that they're looking at punk bands now if you're looking at sure to think into the context of all of the punk bands that got signed up all the pop punk bands all the green day and jawbreaker and all those bands mm-hmm. they're weird yeah. they're the they're the big outlier uh, outlier and i would even say in that context jawbox is an, is a little weird too because they're really aggro sounding <laughs> yeah then jawbox doesn't have like a mainstream appeal like they're definitely a little but they're always going to have a niche sound if you look at shutter to think into the context of grunge and the, the the biggest thing to me is that Shudder to Think seemed like a band that was signed to be the next, um, great, now I'm blanking on the name. Beatles. <laughs> Rolling Stones. <laughs> Faith No More. Oh, I could see that. Is that how you trace this lineage? What do you mean? Like, like you see them as a... 
as a precursor or a peer to Faith No More, or just like where they sit in what record labels are looking for? Yeah, I think they just are. They fit the same mold of metallic and weird. Okay. With some more straightforward kind of pop melodicism. I wasn't expecting as many guitar solos as there were. No, I didn't either. And I was actually impressed by a, quite a few of them. Um, there were a few moments I was like, hey, that's kind of like a Van Halen guitar solo. <laughs> like, <laughs> But to me, the barrier of entry for Shudder to Think is going to be the vocals. Like, That's going to be the thing that people are either going to immediately shut off or are immediately like drawn to. Like it's yeah. going to be it's so weird and so different vocally that yeah, you're either going to be like what is this and turn it off or be like I got to hear more of this weird falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> his falsetto is really bad. <laughs> his um, his nasally upper vocal range I can live with. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But when he does the falsetto, like like the full on head voice, mm-hmm. it, it's not good. <laughs> so okay, I th- I thought of as I was uh, preparing my notes for this episode, I had was also editing the episode that Corey you were on last, the uh, X Ray Specs episode, mm-hmm. and on that episode we talked about how Polystyrene was an impressive singer who could actually sing playing within a um, punk environment and trying to form her style to a sound. And to me, um, Craig's vocals are a guy who doesn't have necessarily the uh, skill or maybe training of a really good singer trying to sing very, you know, like a, above his level like vibrato like high ranges like he's got maybe the natural talent to do it and a unique enough voice but he doesn't seem to have the training to actually pull it off like he thinks he does well there's something about the way they sound overall that makes me think that i don't think he's confused about what his voice sounds like Mm mm-hmm like, I don't think that he hears it and he's like, I fucking nailed it. Like, I'm just like <laughs> this incredible vocalist. Like, I don't think that he thinks that. But I, it strikes me that he's like, well, I'm not a trained vocalist and I'm not executing these techniques or even staying entirely on pitch. But that's fine because that's not the point. They definitely have an art punk mentality an yeah. art rock kind of mentality into the way the whole band is constructed and the way they present themselves. Yeah, to me, I always thought uh, I thought of them as they were a like a bunch of people who came up in the punk scene and then they decided to give their art school friend the microphone and then they all wrote an arena rock album together. <laughs> <laughs> like to me, it's like punk ethos combined with prog rock, you know hard rock 70s music with a weirdo on the mic (laughs) okay uh, i guess we should just get everybody's overall impression of the record so i (laughs) uh cory i told dylan that i thought you were going to hate this one (laughs) (laughs) okay so was i correct why did you think that (laughs) well i 
thought you would hate his voice. Okay. And you have previously in the past told me you are not a fan of the Discord record sound. Yeah. In general. Yep. So, uh, was, was that right? Was that an accurate estimate? <laughs> um, yeah, I was really trying to, I was really trying to figure out why anyone in 2019 would become a Shudder to Think fan. Like, I, the, I, what I like about your podcast is that, and I think we talked about this a little bit last time, I don't tend to go back and listen to a lot of older music. I tend to think more um, as it's something that I am moving alongside with. Like, uh, I, I, I learn about new bands, and I, you know, they become part of my, my listening habits. And the bands that I tend to accumulate as I get older tend to stick around but I don't necessarily go back and, and try and seek out things that I wasn't around for the first time. Sometimes those things slip in, but that is one thing that I really like about your podcast, that, that I can go back and maybe open myself up to some areas that I haven't explored. And so when I was listening to Shudder to Think, I was thinking, like, what can I get out of this as a music listener in mm-hmm. 2018? And so I think that helped maybe like temper the that real knee uh, the real knee jerk gut reaction to say i hate this mm-hmm. because I, I i didn't like it yeah. um, i won't listen to it ever again <laughs> um it, it was really long it, it yeah. took me a long time to listen to it and i just kept wanting it to be over um yeah and i and and kind of like how when we talked about x-ray specs i was thinking about polystyrene as uh, like a predecessor to some artists that I really love, like Mia Zapata, um, you know, Alison Mossart, um, people like that. Mm-hmm. When I was listening to Shudder to Think, I was I was hearing Craig as a predecessor to a lot of artists that I really don't like. <laughs> Any, like anyone's I, in particular? I, I, was, I was hearing like Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, which is not a band that I like. Mm-hmm. But I understand that a lot of people really like them i was hearing uh bob nana who uh, like I, I like some hey mercedes but i i don't really like braid hmm. um, interesting that you made that braid connection was that something that came up for you too N- no i feel like i would put these in such different camps i'm just thinking vocally for the most part there was a couple I, musical there was a couple musical movements where uh, especially in the very, I can't remember what the song was called, but the very first song on the album, I thought like, oh, with a little bit like slicker production and, uh, you know, a, a different tweak to the hook, this kind of sounds like a Hey Mercedes song. <laughs> um, but I only really like the, the big hits from Hey Mercedes. And I mean, I vocally, like I was hearing Ozzy too. Yeah. I heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw a few other places that said the same thing. Yeah. It's just really not something that, I enjoy listening to, um, but I, w- I was trying to think about it within the context of being a music fan and, and, and musical history and trying to really place it and see what I could get out of it. Um, I, I don't know. Even in that, I still didn't like it and I wanted it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're talking about the length of the album and on Spotify, there are like five bonus tracks on it. And I listened and, to those bonus tracks too. And then yeah, there was, I, I mean, we'll get to this, but there was another bonus track that you alerted me to, but I really wish you hadn't. 
I didn't well, get around to listening to it. I what? I forgot to to do it this morning and Well, you need to do it right now. Okay. <laughs> pull, pull it up. Um pull it those... up because pull it up because then I have something to go off of afterwards. Okay. <laughs> so, for those who don't know what we're talking about, the Spotify version of the album is missing a cover. And this cover is Imagined by John Lennon. one of my least favorite John Lennon songs overall. And I don't like the Beatles at all. I don't really either. Never have. Uh, this is probably, Imagine is probably one of my least favorite songs of all time. <laughs> it's so schmaltzy. Um, just really, really hate it. <laughs> really hated the Shutter to Think cover. Wished you hadn't told me about it. <laughs> it <laughs> just made, cent- made my made my made my night measurably worse. <laughs> it's the centerpiece of the album as well. Like it's yeah. in That's the middle insane. of the record. And I so I did a little bit of poking around on YouTube as well, and it seems like it was a real live hit. Is uh, when when oh, did? Wow, he sounds like. Oh my gosh, he sounds so much like Ozzy on this song. <laughs> <laughs> Because when you said Ozzy, I was like, I can see that, but I didn't really hear it. But listening to this now, I'm like, holy shit, it's like crazy train. (laughs) Imagine all the people. (laughs) Oh, wow, that's so bad. (laughs) I mean, the guitars sound good, but the song itself is just such a trash song. It is an awful song. <laughs> okay, so after that, I needed a palate cleanser, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, there, you know, there's this is a terrible cover of a terrible song. There's got to be a better or at least more entertaining cover of a terrible song. Um, so I'd like for you to both just click this link and enjoy this with me together. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is it playing for you? It is for me. Yeah. So, at first, I thought that this was a photograph. <laughs> oh my god, he's blinking. He's so he's so still and serene that for the first ten seconds until he moved his head, I thought he was a photograph. <laughs> uh, we'll include a link. So this is a this is a base cover of Imagine. I don't know how old this kid is. He's playing a cream colored Fender bass. Mm-hmm. Five string, right? No. No, it's, it's a four, four. string. Yeah. yeah, he's already off time. This is P 
Peter J. McKeon on YouTube. It has 389 views. That's pretty good. Four upvotes and one down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew Which... Sunday, one year ago, said, I don't know how this was recommended to me, but nice cover and beautiful bass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> how old is Andrew Sunday? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that, that, he, that he decided to upload this to YouTube is just just wonderful. It's just... <laughs> it's nothing. It's he's, he's just plucking along while the song plays in the background. <laughs> it's not even a song with like a super impressive bass part. <laughs> and it's not even a cover. It's he's just playing along to the song. <laughs> like if he were playing the bass by itself with no backing track and singing it, that would be a cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's probably enough from Peter J. McKeon. Um, I I have more. Oh, boy. God, I have I, so many notes. I don't think you're going to make your two o'clock. I, I have one more. Okay. Okay. It, just a spoiler, it gets worse. Oh, God. Nice. Well, that guy's beard and hat combo indication. Have you clicked? Yep. Have you read the title? No! <laughs> I love the parentheses mouth sounds. <laughs> so this is... Oh, no! This is YouTube user... <laughs> this is YouTube user ASMR Acoustic Vibes doing John Lennon's Imagine uh, a whispered acoustic song parentheses mouth sounds. Oh, God. In his description, he's written soothing, whispered ASMR acoustic cover for sleeping and relaxing. Can you imagine trying to speak to this? And then he says, hope you enjoy this whispering male ASMR music with soft vocals featuring auditory ASMR triggers, parentheses, mouth sounds, saliva, etc., and soft acoustic guitar. I want to hear an ASMR cover of a saliva's click-click-boom now. <laughs> Listen. This sent me on a rabbit hole, a YouTube rabbit hole that was way better than listening to Shuttered. <laughs> uh, there are Blink-182 ASMR covers. I am sure that there is just whatever you want. <laughs> what? I couldn't hear your whispering over the whispering, Doug. That's so bad. <laughs> why? I have to I stop it, because it's like, too like unnerving. Part. That's my favorite part of the song. <laughs> it's menacing. <laughs> I could not fall asleep to that. I'd be terrified there was somebody in the room with me. You would never <laughs> sleep again. <laughs> <I w> <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like something that... Bedtime without telling your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and both try and fall asleep to it. <laughs> it sounds uh, like something that would be in like the trailer for like a really bad like lots of jump scares like new horror movie <laughs> pitch it down a little bit uh, that's all i've got oh man <laughs> that's atrocious well we need to do some asmr covers of uh shutter to think songs i i, I enjoyed that better than shutter to think <laughs> shutter to think is the opposite of asmr <laughs> Oh. Oh, I I 
of the record was it's not great it's not bad i don't think i'll ever listen to it ever again and i like shutter to think i think i got into them just early enough like i was in like you know college so i was doing that weird thing that i think most of us all do in our early 20s where you're like i like this real weird thing and that makes me interesting (laughs) um so i i got into them while my tastes were still being formed. And so I still enjoy Shudder to Think, but I didn't enjoy this album as much as their later albums, specifically um, what was the the the, the album after this, Ten Spot. Ten Spot, that's the big one. Yeah, and like um, Pony Express, Pony Express, or, or like Funeral at the Movies. Like I like those albums much, much more than this one. Um what do you think, Don? So, I was familiar with Shutter to Think going into it, so I knew what they sounded like and generally knew what to expect from it. I figured it would have some of some rougher edges than their later stuff, just being their first album. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. There's a lot of guitar playing that I really like. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot on here that reminds me of the Revolution Summer bands. Of Dag and Rites of Spring, yeah, um, Gray Matter. Um, I do think that it tries too hard to be something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it does reach too hard for a big hair rock and roll. <laughs> even even in like a tongue in cheek, like not even like because I don't think that they're like even necessarily pulling like a full ssd oh yeah where ssd went in that like huge glammy like hair metal direction this feels more like going down like a david bowie todd rundgren (laughs) uh you know like 70s glam instead of uh 80s hair um well yeah i mean a little new york dolls mm -hmm. it has maybe more of the gruffness of that side of glam but and not as much the weirdo freak thing um yeah which craig does bring the most like weirdo yeah vibe to it and it is easily the weakest part of the band um yeah i do really like a lot of the guitar playing on this record i really think the musicianship of all of the instrumental elements of the band are interesting and pretty fun to listen to yeah I I would be curious to see if a, what a different frontman would have done for those musicians. Um, and I mean, like I said, I don't hate his voice. Mm-hmm. I because he is capable of an um, of an aggressive nasally singing voice that is unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just too all over the place and just going constantly like he just doesn't have enough restraint to really execute it and that's probably one of the things that makes their later records better is that he does practice more restraint and generally sings better yeah i mean they definitely stood out in the washington dc scene especially in like this late 80s 
purely from Craig's like presence alone. Like he he is such a different thing in the punk scene that they made a name by being the weirdos in the scene. So, well, it's interesting because the weirdest thing about them within the DC and in the bigger picture of Discord Records bands through the 90s and into the 2000s is the degree to which they are pretty mainstream. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, a big, like I said, an arena rock vibe to their stuff. So they did, they took way more influences from outside of the punk scene than a lot of other bands. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird record. Looking at the Rate Your Music charts, it was their it's their second lowest rated album. Um, behind their 97 album, 10,000 BC, which apparently even the band hated. Um, I didn't listen to that one, so I don't know for sure. But And then their last two records were like ambient scores for soundtracks. So yeah. those I wouldn't even really count those as part of their discography. It's purely the members of the band made records for movies, but they're not their music. Um, yeah, so like I, I probably wouldn't listen to it. I still would just go to listen to the you know, funeral at the movies or Pony Express or get, you know, get your goat. So, um, what would, what would everyone rate the album? I mean, really right down the middle. I want to say a three. That's exactly what I gave it. I, it. It was a two for me, but I just, I just didn't like it. Yeah. That, that's my problem. It's not theirs. It's a little bit theirs. I do think the production <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't very good. Like I, <laughs> It's very raw, and especially compared to their later albums, it it, it could have used a little help. Um, but I mean, maybe that's where the Discord, you know, attention comes from. They they got a little bit more. I wonder if they helped. Does Discord ever help pay for recording? Is that one of their things? I don't know. They probably did then. They probably don't as much now. Yeah. Oh, I I don't think any labels are helping anybody except for majors now. Uh, yeah, three point is where I'd put it. Yeah, just kind of dead set in the middle. Well, all right, EP time. Yes. So we for our EP we got number one twenty eight, and it is Luna Chicks and their seven inch Luna Chicks. Hey, Marsha, that was really groovy. Alternately titled Sugar Love from New York City. 
released as a double seven inch on Blast First Records, a UK label who released stuff from Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., Big Black, and the Butthole Surfers. And uh, Lunachicks, one of their early gigs, uh, Kim Deal and Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth were in the audience and got them in touch with Blast First Records, which, um, you know, that can definitely help your career if Sonic Youth is vouching for you immediately. Um, the personnel on this record is Theo Kogan on vocals, Gina Volp and Cindy Benezra on guitars, and Sydney Squid Silver on bass, and Becky Reck on drums. You think that's her real name? Sounds real. <laughs> and it's Rebecca. Yeah, oh, right. It's shortened. Uh, it was produced by Don Fury, the famous New York hardcore record producer. Uh, oh. Stuff from like Agnostic Front, Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, and like so many more records. Yeah. Um, whatever I think. Okay. My f- first two impressions, my, well, first three impressions, um, I didn't realize what the Lunatics sound like. No, me either. <laughs> <laughs> um,. Everything in 89 is really metallic. (laughs) And that was my thought on the charts um, that I was saving for later. And three, this is one of the earliest bands I've ever heard that sounded like they were trying to sound exactly like the Misfits. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely got a huge Misfits impression as well. Like they were even write they even write songs like the Misfits, like the type of songs they're writing, the upset like the little bit of like a uh, retro obsession. Like mm-hmm. there's the song Jan Brady, which is mm-hmm. about Jan Brady of the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Now you had two more impressions. So what? Uh... No, those were my three. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> you combined them into one. Okay. I, um, I see my I hand had... gestures. I was. Oh, <laughs> I was counting them off on my fingers. <laughs> I I had really only one thought while I was listening to this, and then I kind of retroactively applied to to both of the the albums today. Um, this like both both of these bands are like Beavis and Butthead music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and I I tried to find if the Lunatics were ever. A Beavis and Butthead shtick, mm-hmm. but it's not on YouTube. So, yeah, yeah, they just it made me think of Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> when I think of Lunatics, I just hadn't. Uh, I'd, I'd probably heard a song or two before, but never really thought about them before. Outside of um, like the, the broader context of, of being an important band in in punk, um, but I, I I wasn't prepared for their lyrical content. Yeah, um, like I, I really like a lot of early Riot Girl. A lot of those bands are still important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, most of those bands, I really appreciate for their lyrical content. And the Lunatics was not what I expected. Yeah, the, I expected because they're like labeled as a Riot Girl band, and I yeah. guess they are. But they, yeah, they don't approach songwriting the same way. Like, it's, like, what are the songs on this album? Like, there's a song about Jam Brady. There's a song called Getting, Getting, Making It with Other Species, which is a song about having sex with animals. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping aliens, but. 
Yeah, no, it actually is about other animals. Yeah. If you read the lyrics. Uh, get off the road. Like, these, they're, they, they're like Misfits lyrics. Like, they're yeah. just silly. They're cheesy. They're, which is a thing that a lot of, like, noise rock bands were doing at this point. You know, just writing weird nonsense with a weird sexual <laughs> layer over it. And... Or like a real violent lair. And so I was expecting more like political type stuff. And I don't know, maybe that was just purely the retroactive Riot Girl tagging, maybe. this ep was was kind of frustrating to listen to because i liked how the songs were written i like how the song like you know the progressions and the chord progressions and like the instrument instrumentation and the writing aspect but i hated the production and i hated the particular tone guitar tones that they chose to go with on this ep and so I was really curious to see what their other music sounded like. And I listened to their first full-length album, Babysitters on Acid, which three of the tracks on this EP are on, and they sound so much better on that record. Like, they're way cleaner sounding, uh, the distortion's a little mm-hmm. better, production's better. So yeah, When you said it was produced by a big, like, hardcore producer... Uh, th- it made perfect sense. Like, yeah, he just like dimed all the amps. <laughs> just like crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, and it doesn't. It's not suited to these songs. No, like it needed a, a stronger bass presence, and because they're they're almost playing no like noise rock, like misfit songs as noise rock songs. So like, yeah, it 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 needed a different producer. Probably, and who could have like told them like you know let's 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 mic the, up these effects a little differently and um there's a little bit of like a psychobilly horror punk vibe um a little bit of a death rock element so I like the grittiness I like the kind of don't give a fuck attitude these songs had but I also imagine them like as like a a biker bar band almost like a like a divey you know. Like a psychobilly biker bar. That's what I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was too much like any other shock rock band. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just wasn't into it. Yeah. Supposedly the band themselves like did not like uh, the production on this and the full length. Um, and they are apparently are mad. At the record label because they never really got any money from it. Um, which at this time, labels were making money. So there should, you know, and they did well enough that they released like four or five albums. So they should have been getting paid, but, you know, it's 
That's evil record labels, I guess. But. Yep. Uh, well, what everyone rate the rate the album? Unless anyone has anything else they want to add. Uh, no, I didn't have anything else I wanted to add. Um, I two and a half. Yeah, I gave it a two point seven five. I'd be interested in going back and and listening to other recordings of these songs, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's anything I would listen to too often. I think that just. I think narratively, bands like Lunatics and and other bands in that era are really important for the history of punk. Um, my wife said that she had a Lunatics CD somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said she really liked them. They released an album on Go Kart Records in the nineties. Okay, all right. So, I had a so I'm wondering if their sound even changed a little bit in the nineties. I didn't get too far past the this the very first album. So yeah. I wonder if they became a little punkier as they went. But. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I would give this specific release like a two. Mm-hmm. It, it just didn't give me anything to yeah. really, even really want. So, it, it, basing my impression of the band purely off of this EP, I wouldn't even bother to listen to anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that they are important in the grander scheme and that they had a much longer career, I'm more inclined to give their later stuff a shot, but I'm not, like, rushing out to do yeah. that, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, then, I guess. Uh, so next week, we are going to do the year 2005, and we got number 401 on the album charts, and it is Go Betty Go, Nothing Is More. And our EP for that episode is number 39, and it is Some Girls, and the DNA will have its say. Um, as always, continue to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Punk Lotto Pod, where we have a website. It's punklottopod.simplecast.fm. And our email address is punklottopod at gmail.com. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. All our episodes are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And, uh, yeah, I guess that'll do it. Uh, thanks a lot, Corey, for coming back on the show. I know it was kind of last minute, but uh, it was fun having you back. Yeah, it was fun to do it. Thanks again. Yeah. Well, I guess that'll be it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out, posers. Just got to play, like, a Brady Bunch clip. He's really good looking, and he thinks I'm super cool. Sure, Jan.